When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, good evening, and welcome to this week's All Over Podcast, the only rugby podcast that gives you the news, views, and opinion on the weekend rugby action, all with a West Country accent. You can find us on Twitter. We are at All Over Podcast. We are All Over Rugby Podcast on Facebook, and you can find all of our podcasts on Anchor and Apple Podcasts and Spotify and most good podcast providers. Um, again, there's still no rugby. There's word today that they're delaying it for another two weeks of people going back to training. So uh, we thought we'd carry on with some punching chat. Seems as though that's been going uh, going down quite well. So uh, without further ado, let's let's hand over to Adam, and uh, and he can introduce us all. Hello, I introduce you all. I think everybody knows who you all are by now, surely. Well, we've got no um, guests. Well, uh, yeah, we've we've just been lazy, which is fine. Um, Russ, Doug, Ben, and the housewives favourite. Evening all. Evening. Evening. I don't know why I gave the first three of you proper names there, but you know I was getting creative at the end. In traditional fashion, I don't, I don't need to talk about the rules or anything anymore, largely because there aren't very many of them. Um, but we will start with a rugby question, and this one comes from Duncan Keane via Twitter. Um, so with Wales, Northern Ireland and Scotland now following different lockdown rules, what rules would you like to see apply to the devolved nations, but not England? And we will start with Mr. Eustace. Um, so mine one um, basically regards all the part time fans in Wales, Scotland and Ireland who roll out sort of once or twice a year for the Six Nations and seem to have this um, obsession that all England fans are public school posh idiots and uh well we all know it's not true i don't think any of us could be described as posh um but i'd like them to go and tell the guys in the shed at king's home that they're posh idiots um and it it is only the part-time fans that come out you know just for the six nations and have their day trip in cardiff or wherever it is but you know quinns and bath fans maybe but gloucester leicester and bristol i think not (laughs) 
Excellent. Okay, uh, Douglas. Um, so I've got one for all three of the home nations, um, starting with Wales, and that's that anyone with one of those stupid daffodil faces has to be put in stocks in the concourse of the stadium and be slapped with a wet salmon. Seconded. Um, <laughs> um, Scotland, I'd let them use 17 players per team so they could actually stand the chance. And uh, <laughs> Ireland, any time Johnny Sexton got hit by an opposing player and waved his arms in the air, um, I would award a free kick to the opposition. Yeah, that's how to score points. Okay, Russ. Give the, give the people what they want. Absolutely. <laughs> well, I think um, that all of the devolved nations should be banned from playing any players that were born outside of their specific nation. So, you know, or or have uh, originates origination. So the, the likes of uh, Tulupe Falatau, CJO Stander, Bundy Aki, Sean Maitland, you know, all of these guys that, that seem to have made up some sort of uh, Celtic heritage to represent the, the devolved nations should be banned from playing. All the while, the the, Vunipo, the Welsh Vunipolas, um the uh, the South Africans, the 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 new the Kiwi Brad Shields, all of these guys should carry on playing for England, but uh, no more CGO standards. Thank you very much. Excellent. Okay, and we'll finish with Phil. Yeah, I'm I'm fearful that you're going to think my answers are pretty shit this week in general, um, <laughs> because I think they're pretty shit in general. But when I when I think I've had good answers, they're generally tanked. So let's go with it. Um, so. I, I looked at this and I thought, actually, what we really need is a level playing field. So what you can't do is pick a rule and apply it to Wales, Scotland and Ireland and not apply it equally to England. And and the logical route that I went down was the same as Ben, is is, is about fans. Now, I don't think, and, and Doug mentioned it as well, I don't think you can have a go at the Welsh with the big daffodils and the part-time fans thinking English are posh twats. When you go to Twickenham on a, on a Saturday during Six Nations, and there's plenty of purple corduroy on show and winkle pickles <laughs> and people who've never even been involved in a game of rugby that are just there on corporate hospitality because they think it's the right thing to do. So I would actually just apply it to all four nations and just say, get rid of the wankers who call themselves rugby fans, who are not rugby fans, the, the Irish people who are just there to have a go at the English, the Welsh people who are just there to have a go at the English, the Scottish people who are just there to have a go at the English, and the English people who are just there because they're on a freebie and they think it would be the right thing to do and the cricket doesn't start until the summer. I can't really work out if you answered the question there, but it was an excellent rant. No, <laughs> I think none of it was planned as as well either, was it? But there we no, go. No, Excellent stuff. None of tonight is. <laughs> okay. Um, next up, we and this is a quickie, and you know, I'll be obviously really strict on that. And um, we had a chat of, on a tangent, unusually, on the last punching chat about haircuts. I can't remember where it came from, but I made a more than a mental note to ask the question, and quite simply. Who has the worst lid in sports? And we'll go straight back to you, Phil. Uh, he's got a song named after him. He inspired Calvin Harris to run onto the X Factor sporting a piece of fruit. He's got a pineapple on his head. It's Jason Lee. <laughs> Very good. Uh, ben? Um, Lifetime Achievement Award, Tamana Harrison. Just look it up. <laughs> I did. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, Doug. Um, Kiwi superstar and all-round bantaholic Jack Goodhue for sporting a comedy moustache and goatee and uh, mullet combo. Um, Something to explain to his grandkids when he's sitting in his uh, nursing home later in life. See, I think mullets are great, but, you know, that's just me. Russ. Uh, I know this is a quickie. Football is littered with exceptional haircuts. Um, the likes of Abel Xavier, the several that David, David Beckham has had. Uh, but one particularly sticks in my mind is, is Ivory Coast and Arsenal striker Jovinio where he had um, braids and sort of cornrow-type dreadlocks, but which only started from the middle of his head. He had literally a a seven head. (laughs) Having Google image search, well, I didn't need to Google image search Jason Lee, but having done that with all of these answers, that is definitely the best one. It is unbelievable. (laughs) I can't... I sort of vaguely remembered it, but wow. To the, to the point, to the point where he started wearing like a like a headband, like a, a bandana type thing, to give himself the look that he had more hair covering his four, five, six, seven head than than was actually possible. I um, I remember reading an article um that basically said in the late nineties there were only two haircuts in rugby league. Uh, one was a South Sea Island mullet, and the other was a Grade One. lovely stuff okay on to the platinum jiffy bag question and as as you all know nine extra points on offer if you match my answer on this and that rarely happens so the question is with donald trump launching a a twitter blitz against barack obama recently um in sports who is the most incompetent buffoon to succeed an all-time great and Doug, let's go to you. So I'm going to go to Man United football and a manager who took over from one of the greatest of all time. Um, and I'm going to say Franco Farrell. He, um, <laughs> he took over in uh, 1971 from the late great Matt Busby, who had um, hand selected him for the role. Now, you might be saying that I'm spouting all this from Wikipedia, but I grew up a, uh, a Man United fan. Uh, until my formative years and uh, the official history of Manchester United DVD narrated by John Motson um, (laughs) provided me with much of the information here he signed a contract at at Man United Um, it was a five-year contract worth 15 grand a year which and I can I can confirm that 15 grand a year doesn't sound a lot and in today's football, that's not a lot, but he signed a contract for £220,000 a year in today's money, um, which at the time when players basically owned pubs and earned more money out of their pub than they did from playing football, that was a lot of money. Um, he was Leicester City's manager when he took over at United and got them promoted. And um, for this reason, I, I guess Busby thought he was, he was the man to sort of carry on the tradition of uh, United managers. Um, he still had Dennis Law, Bobby Charlton, George Best. George Best was in the middle of being an absolute lad at the time, though. And I think that was probably one of the problems that led to his downfall. That and the fact that you had to schedule an appointment with him to go and see him um, if you had something to discuss about your time at Man United. Um, He took over United. They were top of the league after the first few games that he played um, and ended up 18 months later, third from bottom of the the, uh, football uh, division one. 
and he was sacked and he took United to court uh, <laughs> over unpaid wages um, and had to sign on um, <laughs> and eventually settled out of court um, for about 17 grand. So um, I did get that from Wikipedia. He then went on to manage Cardiff City in Iran. So draw your own story. Cardiff City Iran. and Iran. Yep. Amazing. That's incredible. Was okay. that was it? Were they Persia at the time? Oh, I, mean, I hope so. I, I mean, I guess so. Maybe. Yeah. It must have been Persia. Sure. I mean, I don't know when the. Uh, this is niche, isn't it? I, I don't know when Persia actually transformed into Iran. No, I, just just to uh, on, 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 on a sl- history pod. <laughs> on, on, a, uh, on, a, on a slight tangent while we're talking about the Middle East did you know that Michel Platini is one of the only two players to have ever represented two nations at international football no who else did he represent then he represented the United Arab Emirates what? did he <laughs> he must have stuck he must, must have stuck out like a dog's dick yeah. <laughs> Michel L. Platini. <laughs> I'm sure he received no money for the privilege either. No. It was just, just for glory, nothing else. I've, I've just realized, you know, I'm not, I'm not trying to think that we need to pad this out given that we've only got five questions this week. <laughs> Ironically, the purpose of that was to make it shorter, but, you know, here we are. Yeah, yeah well, now, yeah. Maybe next week. Okay, Russ, why don't you go next? Um, given England's triumphant World Cup performance at the Rugby World Cup in 2003, Clive Woodward stepped down in uh, in the September of 2004 to be replaced by his then forwards coach, Andy Robinson. Now, Andy Robinson has continued to get coaching jobs all over the, the world. Um, but his first head coach job in international rugby came with England, where he finished with a... Uh, I finished with a record of 22 matches in charge, nine wins and 13 defeats, um, losing both of the, well, his only game against Argentina, both of his games against France, Ireland, New Zealand, um, and having a, the only teams that he actually beat 100% were Canada, Italy and Samoa. I mean, it's quite a phenomenal record for a, for a team that have just won the World Cup and for the next two years, didn't do absolutely anything. Uh, he was then replaced by Brian Ashton uh, in the lead up to the 2009 World Cup. Uh, no, 2007 World Cup, should I say? And uh, managed to get to the final. But yeah, Andy Robinson for this question, 100. percent Okay. All right, Phil. In his defence, he had a lot of players retire, like world class players retired after that. Why? Why are we? Why are we defending somebody? Yeah, fuck. I don't, I don't know. That's, that's the point you. of this game. Yeah. Take points off. <laughs> it's bad enough that you've given us the biography of somebody who retired before we were all born. So uh, I'm going I'm to go back to an answer that I've given a previous time. Um, <laughs> Surely you can't <laughs> that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, for 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 a different question, but the 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 level of buffoonery is just is just immense. So at the time, Wales were by far and away one of the best teams in the world certainly in the northern hemisphere definitely in the in the six nations um under certain warren gatland he's just been selected to be the lions coach um definitely now a legend in in lions colors um so in steps whilst he's uh, actually he stepped in initially because gatland injured himself but then carried on because of his lions duty in steps one rob howley 
Now, I remember Rob Howley being a decent scrum half. Um, bit of a pest, good pass on him, decent scrum half. But he basically took an incredibly successful team and just led it with absolutely no direction whatsoever. Took players who knew exactly what they were supposed to be doing and just confused the shit out of them. Confused the shit out of the players, the rest of the coaches, and started a, a spell of eight losses on, in a row for Wales, including a record five defeats at home. And it was that bad that Gatland had to cancel his plans to, to concentrate on the lines, to come back and coach Wales. He was that shit, he got sacked from a temporary position. And to make it even worse, we then have the debacle of 2019 when he's getting himself to a, to a position where he's looking at what's the next big thing for him and clicks the self-destruct button by going hardcore on some betting websites and getting caught and banned for rugby for, for a severely prolonged time. So the buffoon of all buffoons, apart from Sir Donald of Trumpville, is Mr. Rob Howley. Lovely stuff. Okay. I nearly gave an answer of Donald Trump to that question for his creation of all the, the golf courses. <laughs> just, 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 to be, just to be completely ironic, but obviously I didn't. Cool very story. Promising, eh? very, very promising college footballer, Donald Trump. Did the bone spurs get in the way? Yeah, they did indeed. <laughs> that and the Mexicans. <laughs> all right. Um, Ben, let's end this question with you. I, I'm trying not to say, finish me off. Keep trying not to say it. Please, please do. Um, so <laughs> as a child of the 80s, I uh, used to watch the NFL on a, on a Sunday on Channel 4. And uh, my favourite player back in the day was Dan Marino, who was like massively talented. Uh, I think he retired holding all the uh, meaningful records, uh, and he played at a time when it was actually quite hard to pass an American football, I'm told. Um, and, um, you know, he was pretty much, if not a one-man team, pretty close to it. Um, and then he was replaced by a man called Jay Fiedler. And uh, I've made a list here, and I'd, I've not heard of most of these people, but um, none of them really inspire a lot of confidence uh, so we've got AJ Feeney, Sage Rosenfels, Dante Culpepper, Cleo Lemon. I mean, it sounds like quite a nice seasoning between them. Um, <laughs> Cleo Lemon know. played at Wembley. Yeah. Uh, just before me. <laughs> <laughs> Joey Harrington, two chads, Tyler Thigpen. Two um, chads. <laughs> <laughs> Penny uh, Pennington. Uh, yeah, him? yeah, Henne and Pennington, yeah. Uh, Two types of pasta, is that right? Um, <laughs> Jay Cutler, Brock Osweiler. Um, bearing in mind our host, I'm going to be very careful what I say about Ryan Tannehill. You go for it. Um, he just spent a lot of time injured, I believe. Um, and uh, Marino's record, I looked it up, was 147 wins to 93 losses. Um, and since he retired, the Dolphins have had five winning seasons in 20. Lovely stuff. Excellent answer. Okay, a quick look at the at the scores. Ben, you've soared into the lead. Are you, you going to tell us who was in the platinum jiffy bag? He always forgets. Oh, I, uh, goodness sake. One job. Send the show. <laughs> <laughs> Is that for you or him? That's for him. Um, well, it doesn't really matter what I give myself. Uh, yes, my answer is... Oh, clearly, none of you said it. Um, 
this guy was such an incredible buffoon replacing an all-time great that he did it twice in the same job. Um, not only did he replace the man who took England cricket out of the end of the 90s and won the 2005 Ashes, um, but he then replaced the man who came in and took the England cricket team to number one in the world. And I'm, of course, talking about Peter Moores. Oh. How, how, did, how he got a job once is one thing, but twice, I still, I'm still angry. You can probably tell. Yeah, that guy is a buffoon. <laughs> Absolutely. The um, veins. Remember who he replaced? Uh, would have that would have scored a lot of points, regardless of context. Just um... <laughs> who did he replace in the England middle order? Because Bell kind of replaced Ian Thorpe. Thorpe, that, Thorpe uh, I guess. But... Thorpe. No, but that was captain. Oh, okay. Um, I think that... he might have replaced Flintoff. Flintoff, yeah. So that, that that would have been you know one buffoon replacing another. <laughs> I think that was a Vaughan kind of gave the job up because of injury at that sort of time. And Flintoff had a go at it, didn't he? But yeah. yeah. Um, Well, funnily enough, that was when Peter Moores came in. I think it was the same time that Peterson got the captaincy. You know, that that was a perfect storm, wasn't it? (laughs) All right. Um, Next question from this one's from Ben Bacon, who sent quite a lot of questions in. um, And I picked one of them. And quite simply, which past or present sportsman would be the most difficult to manage in an office environment? And Russ, let's start with you. Let me start off by giving you some quotes. Uh, I do not need a trophy to tell me I'm the best. The older I get, the better I get, like red wine. Anything that happens in your life was meant to happen. It's your destiny. It's my destiny to have a life that I have now. And you can't have any regrets. I think I'm difficult to satisfy because I because when I win something, I'm already thinking about the next step. And that's the pro maybe a problem for me. I'm not enjoying the moment. Ross, stop talking about yourself. So <laughs> what the person the person I'm talking about here is uh is a guy that tends to refer to himself in the third person quite a bit. Um and that is Zlatan Ibrahimovic. Wow. One of his Huh? Twatan. Twatan. Imagine, <laughs> imagine, imagine managing a guy that answers a question of what you got for your birthday is, or what you got your missus, your wife for her birthday is. What do you mean present? She got Zlatan. Um, <laughs> I came like a king. I left like a legend. I don't know whether that's a sexual reference. Um, <laughs> you know, he is a guy that seems to have quite a high opinion of himself. And I don't think he'd enjoy being told what to do in any way, shape or form. So I think uh, in an office environment that Zlatan would always be trying to undermine his, his manager. He would always be trying to uh, find a way out of doing anything and uh, going for an easy life. So yeah, I reckon Zlatan would be really tough to manage. Zlatan, could you go and send that fax for Fronto? <laughs> Yeah, imagine it. Early pronto. <laughs> All right, Phil, you've got some points already, but um, give us an answer. Yeah, thanks. Um, yeah, there's only one thing that worse than Zlatan. Can you go and send that fax? And him just flat out refusing, and that's you going, James Haskell. Can you go and send that fax? <laughs> and going, yeah, yeah, I'll do it. And then throwing <laughs> massive penises all over. <laughs> <laughs> or just, or just bash, just bashing the fax machine, slamming <laughs> his head into the fax machine just because he thinks it's funny. Running into the water cooler. 
the, the guy is just an absolute pest in every way, shape, and form of the words. Like the videos on tour of him and Owen Farrell, how Owen Farrell didn't turn around and just lamp him, I've got no idea. He's just in your face all he's the time. Scared, scared. He, yeah, well, there's that. And he's he's just like it's all about the hask. It's all about me. I tell you what, that's really good. But I've got a better story than that. In fact, I'm not even going to let you tell your story. I'm just going to speak over the top of you with my story because it's a far better story. And isn't it great because it's my story and it's about me and me and I'm amazing. And isn't it funny because it's banter. And then to make it even worse, we've all worked with somebody who likes a bit of banter and thinks they're the Joker. But ultimately. It, the worst is the kind of person that's like that and then can't take it back. And I give you Joe Marler squirting water in, in James Haskell's face and causing the rage monster to come I out. Mean, I mean, I, I couldn't imagine anything better than both of them fighting to the death where they both died. <laughs> yeah, they both yeah, lost. Yeah. <laughs> Murder ball where the ball is just a bomb. And as soon as there's no <laughs> close enough, you're done. The two of them are out of there. It's it, and uh, in fairness to James Haskell, since the, the whole I'm a celebrity thing, I think he's toned it down a hell of a lot and he's become a lot more palatable. But uh, uh, since, since he retired, I've found him way more palatable. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we just see him less. <laughs> you know, he's, he's, he's grown up. He doesn't even bother drawing the hairs around the willies that he draws on the faxes. <laughs> There's still a there's still a little gossamer stream of jizz coming out over the paper. <laughs> Looks like the, guy, the guy's obviously got talent. It's <laughs> <laughs> not what he's hired for, is it? <laughs> okay, uh, Ben, what's who um, the most difficult to manage? Well, I think it's a. I've gone obvious here, but I've gone with Mike Tyson. Um, yeah. I just. Just ima- I mean, he's an HR nightmare, isn't he? Imagine that, Paul. Um, <laughs> hi, this is Karen from HR. Uh, could you just have a word with Aaron. Mike, please? It's always Karen, it's isn't Karen. it? <laughs> <laughs> you ma- I mean, behaviour management with um, Mike Tyson. It's going to be interesting. And, and also, <laughs> just don't take your wife to the Christmas party. <laughs> Imagine trying to put him on a performance plan. Yeah. Br- bring your tiger to work there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm giving out points like confetti. This is great. Mike, Mike um, look, look, an- another yogurt has gone missing from the fridge. And <laughs> I really need to bring this up with you. Don't look at me like that. <laughs> uh, I, can't seen... remember, I can't remember who put it on. The, the Twitter thread, but if you haven't seen um, Terry Terry Tibbs, oh, it's amazing! Yeah, amazing. Terrible Terry Tibbs um, series of adverts that were on US TV a while back, but yeah, have a look. We'll we'll find we'll find some and and copy the links onto Twitter or something. But yeah, Terry Tibbs, amazing. I remember doing a like a like a coaching course, like a management type course through work and. It was like they showed these clips from these adverts, of, and it was like <laughs> just amazing, absolutely incredible. Okay, um, who's not Doug? You haven't gone. I haven't. Um, I'm going to keep it with with current current affairs and go for Michael Jordan. Um, if you haven't watched the Last Dance documentary, you should. It's pretty incredible. He's, but. In an office environment, that guy would just be the worst. Like, constantly driving you to meet sales targets. 
gambling your your quarterly bonus over a, a game of who can flick a penny closest to the bin. You know. <laughs> All that kind of stuff, and not only that, but it take take all the attention from the from the um, Bucks and receptionist, just because he's so. <laughs> and and Karen from HR. Yeah, yeah um, she's not going to sleep with you, Doug. I just, I, <laughs> they, they never do. Um, <laughs> yeah, just um, that that level of competitive when you competitiveness when you're uh, selling sell, selling fire alarms would just be uh, an absolute disaster. <laughs> in my head it's sort of a, a cross between Dwight Sh- Dwight Shrew to Michael Scott which is not a good combination <laughs> yeah. really yeah, but with um, the sales ability of, uh, of of Stanley Hudson <laughs> <laughs> fast asleep all day I mean th- th- just in my head as well you've got the four of these people we've just mentioned working in the same office oh. <laughs> it's not not going to work too well with, with Terry Tibbs as a team leader <laughs> <laughs> that's true well well it, there would be a power struggle let's face it and it, it wouldn't be pretty Tell you who wouldn't win james haskell <laughs> <laughs> but in his head he'd win yeah of course he would it'd like. as... be going over and telling chloe you know what i told that tyson today <laughs> <laughs> as, long, as long as joe myler's not in there touching people inappropriately i don't care that's tyson's job I'm no anarchism. Allegedly. (laughs) I'm picking on the wrong victim here, aren't I? (laughs) (laughs) I think there are all bad character traits are covered by those four. We don't need to worry about anything slipping through the gaps. Right. I I didn't actually finish giving you a score update after the last question because I was rudely interrupted. And so (laughs) who cares, really? But anyway, Ben. I'm doing it, so here we go. Ben's on 65, Doug and Russ both on 55, Phil somewhere in the middle on 57. Right, Brian May. Before with the last question. <laughs> Brian May was in the news, well, it, whenever it was, a week or so ago. He managed to injure his buttocks in the garden. <laughs> I don't have too much more information exactly how Sh- it Shredded it. buttock muscle. Shredded, shredded not bruised. Just shredded. Um, is it Anita Dobson that he's married to? For me? Is it Anita Dobson yeah. from EastEnders? Yeah. Well, he's basically married his, him, his doppelganger. Yeah, <laughs> Angie Watts. Yeah. <laughs> really. Well, um, right. The question's coming, though. So, which, um, or oh, what's the most memorable injury a sports star has had that wasn't inflicted on the field of play? Um, and Ben, start with you. So um, many of you will probably not remember a uh, chap called Alan Wright, who was a Scottish fullback that Aston, uh, Aston played for Aston Villa. And he yeah. was about five foot four. Um, and uh, he, he, he got a knee strain stretching for the accelerator in his Ferrari. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that that does raise a couple of questions. Um, the chief of which on is on which planet should Alan Wright be paid enough that he can afford a Ferrari? <laughs> um, but um, he traded it in for a Rover. A, uh, that, that, uh, a Rover Metro? <laughs> He's not driving a Mini Metro. <laughs> I'll just talk over you. They've rebadged it, you fool. 
<laughs> teed up very very easily okay <laughs> phil so uh dave messon straightforward um <laughs> the first goalkeeper save a penalty in the fa cup final for wimbledon Played a couple of games for England, 1993-94 season. He's playing for Chelsea. He's in his house making himself a sandwich, doing the flash thing that only footballers can do. And he doesn't buy a standard 455-gram jar of, of salad cream. He buys a two-kilo jar of salad cream, <laughs> knocks it knocks it off the, uh, the worktop. It shatters on his foot, severs the tendon to his big toe eight weeks out of the season. Pretty much his career was on a downward slide thereafter. So, yeah, plain and simply, dropping a jar of salad cream on your foot. I love the fact that he saved a penalty in a FA Cup final. Was he the first goalkeeper first, to do that? First goalkeeper yeah. to do it. The yeah. most big-time thing he does is buy a two-kilo jar of salad cream. <laughs> yeah, you can you can shove your Ferrari. <laughs> Alan Wright could learn a thing or two. He could, yeah. yeah. He, right. he probably needs some steps to get it out of the cupboard, though. <laughs> All right, Doug. Okay, I'm going to take you back to July the 4th, American Independence Day, 2015, um, in America, and a group of friends are having a little firework display. I'll say little. 1,100 quid's worth of fireworks have been bought um, by a guy called Jason Pierre-Paul. He, um, he tries to light a firework. Tries to light it again. Tries to... <laughs> slide it again and then it explodes in his hand and <laughs> severs well i'll read you the report as to what happened to his hand um if i can find it here where is it i had it queued up um okay yeah <laughs> um basically he was rushed into surgery um he had to lose a finger lose another finger one finger was hanging on by the skin one was just bone um <laughs> all the fingers were technically still attached to his hand but literally just by either bone or skin so not both i want to reiterate that not both um pretty bad considering he just signed a franchise tag for the new york giants which guaranteed him 14.8 million dollars <laughs> He went in surgery. The doctor said, we might have to amputate your hand. He said, don't amputate my hand. Whatever you do, don't amputate my hand. Wasn't seen on the field for a little while later. The next time he was seen on the field, he was wearing a thing that can only be described as a club mitt, which, uh, <laughs> which housed these gnarly stumps. Um, and he has proceeded to play on with said stumps ever since and has made a buttload more money. But kids, don't play with fireworks. If you want to have a look at some um, rather nasty pictures, go to sportsillustrated.com and just type in Jason Pierre-Paul fireworks. <laughs> Excellent. I, I, this is the bit I was looking for. He goes, I remember a big flash. I heard boom. There was a lot of smoke. As soon as I saw the green light, I jumped and I knew something dangerous was about to happen. <laughs> <laughs> The only thing you got right. Although... I mean, it sounds like he was trying to light a cruise missile, not a firework. <laughs> Might have had more joy with that. Who knows? Right, Russ. Uh, I went down a, a slightly different direction after initially thinking about Dave Besant. 
Um, we mentioned the other week, somebody mentioned the other week about uh, Paddy Kenny having a fight with his brother-in-law. Um, but this one, I, I, slightly down a, a more sinister route. Uh, 30th of April, 1993, Roland Garros, an absolutely dominant Monica Seles, who, who for the this, previous... This should be less funny than the... I know, yeah, yeah. but for the previous... <laughs> For the previous few years, had absolutely dominated. From January '91 to February '93, Sellers reached 33 of 34 tournament finals. She was literally dethroning Steffi Graf, who could not get near her. That was until the deranged Steffi Graf fan Gunter Pache got hold of her nice. and basically stabbed her in the back. Missing a spinal cord by millimeters and basically you know, ruining her career. She spent two years off the tennis court following that, um, and then a bit pretty unsuccessful return, which enabled Steffi Graf to win a few more tournaments, a couple of more Wimbledon's, and uh, yeah, but an, it wasn't necessarily on the court as such, but uh, a freak sporting injury nonetheless. That's that's true. I'd like to lodge an official complaint about that. Specifically, not in, on the sporting field of play, right? Was the question. She wasn't on the field of play, mate. She was sat in a chair. On um, the field of play? No, on a chair. Doug, Doug, let me what, let me. Where, where was the field of? Where, where was the chair, Russ? Uh, it was outside the court boundaries. Weren't at McDonald's, though, was it? No, but was it was the chair actually within the white lines of the confines of the court? Yeah, but no. very little tennis is played within the white lines of the court, mate. I don't. Doug, Doug, let me stop. Let, let me stop out. you there. Let me stop yeah. you there. You're yeah. arguing. Yeah. You're arguing. This is for you. <laughs> why? Why would? Why would you come at me like that? And Russ, this is for you because Doug was right. <laughs> <laughs> that is unbelievable. Is gloves are on. This is punching chat. Absolutely. <laughs> this is actual punching. I chat. so nearly said fighting talk. <laughs> <laughs> What's that? What? What's that? I've no idea. It's probably a better name though, isn't it? <laughs> no. No. <laughs> and, and only if you were trying to crudely rip us off would you come up with a name <laughs> like that. Dear me. Right. Um any other business? Let's let's end with that. Um well nearly end with that. And <laughs> unusually rush your trailing. That seems oh, to shock. seems to be seems to keep happening. I don't know why. Yeah, um, uh, I have seen a real increase since since lockdown. I've been out on a few walks, uh, been to the beach, etc. I've seen a real increase in people talking on their mobile phones, not using the intended purpose. And by that, I mean having the phone on loudspeaker and talking into the bottom of it. As have opposed... they been filming The Apprentice down your way? Oh, Jesus. Honestly, it is the most infuriating thing. You know, people having... Uh, listening to one side of a conversation is bad enough, but listening to both sides of a bullshit conversation is even worse. They're worried about I the 5G, aren't they? I don't care <laughs> it, what you're it gives saying. You, gives you what... a prime example to join in with them. Oh, it, it makes me want to clothesline them and then drop a people's <laughs> elbow. <laughs> and on a, it's just completely, you know, it's completely unnecessary. I get it. It's hard enough to distinguish when people are walking around with, with their AirPods in and on the phone and you think they're randomly talking to you, which they're obviously not. But when they're holding their phone up to their mouth and then 
they move the phone from their mouth to their ear <laughs> when you could just keep it there the whole time. It just doesn't make any sense. <laughs> that's a nice... That's a while since we've probably had a non-virus-related any other business, which is refreshing. Um, Phil, what have you got? Yeah, I'm, I'm going to carry on non-virus-related as well. And I've got a bit of a public service broadcast here. And I'm looking at you, Douglas, in particular, when I'm when I'm talking about this. Um, so a few years ago, no, no, I'm not. Um, a few years ago, I was uh, doing a bit of strimming and hit a bit of giant hogweed. Now, for those of you that don't know, giant hogweed is a is a plant whose sap causes your skin to get severely photosensitized. So, so sounds like my discharge. Exactly. So you end up you end up with you end up with blisters akin to um, to Russ's legs after a, when he tries to do a barbecue. Um, Russell was nearly my answer for the sportsmen that put themselves out of action. <laughs> did, so, did you um, rule him out? He's the sportsman bit. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> so uh, I was out. I was out streaming two weekends ago, and I thought, you know what, I'm going to put some trousers on this time. So didn't think there was any hogweed, but there was a little bit hiding away. And two or three days later, I just had half a dozen small blisters on my arm, and I thought that's fine; they'll go away. So I've now developed a hypersensitivity to that sap, and the entire of my arm is covered in little pustules that are so itchy. It's, it's just about all I can do to finish this sentence without wanting to scratch the hell out of my arms. Um, and I phoned up the doctor and they went, yeah, we can give you some antihistamines, but you're just going to have to suck it up and, and see your way through it. And I was like, well, how long is this going to last? Yeah, we've like, got a pandemic going on, mate. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, maybe, maybe a I month, something like that. Oh. How do you feel about him now, housewives? <laughs> I haven't slept for three days. That's how this itchy bloke was out clapping the NHS what? last night, <laughs> um, and he's covered in pustules. It's... So yeah, what I would say is, if you're going to go streaming and there's a chance there's hogweed there, wear some long sleeve tops, wear a trouser, wear your trousers, wear a pair of goggles. Literally, go full on beekeeping outfit to keep yourself safe because it is not worth going through the pain that I'm in at the moment. Or get a smaller garden. Yeah. Or get the help to do it, Phil. Yeah, or a gardener. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Ben. Dougie, you busy. Hashtag furlough life. <laughs> I am actually, mate. Snowed under at the moment. I can get to you in about four weeks. <laughs> That's fine. It's grown back by then. <laughs> right, Ben. Any other uh, business? I. I'd like to talk about people who keep comparing coronavirus to World War II. Um, so, one, we never won any wars. I wasn't around at the time. It was my granddad. Not saying he won it on his own, but, you know. Oh, you didn't say that. <laughs> he had a go. Yeah, he, he joined in. Um, so, yeah, so we never won anything. Um and, and I keep hearing people say, if these journalists had been around at Dunkirk, what kind of questions would they be asking? And How do I it's... get off this beach? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> in, in World War II, the, the Germans had Dr. Goebbels. Coronavirus doesn't have a press office. It's completely different. 
l'hôpital. Yeah, and and it's it's just a completely different situation. There's there's the only real similarity is it's different to normal life. That's about as close as we can get, really. Um, and while we're at it, memes at the moment are doing my head in. Someone shared a meme on the telly of um, it was uh, called a memes. <laughs> memes. <laughs> I'm sure you called him a meme. A meme. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't think that was me. It sounds like something I do. So someone had, had posted a meme of um, memes or gifs. That's the question. Gifs for sure. I mean, so it was a crying teenager in a dress next to a picture of an American GI, and it said he didn't fight. For you to be like this or something along those lines and i looked closer and i noticed that the american gi was actually telly savalis <laughs> <laughs> and the the still was from the dirty who, who loves you babe who loves you baby what, the, uh, so the gi established in this uh, photograph it was blowfeld no, it was is, is his character in the Dirty Dozen, who is a rapist murderer. <laughs> <laughs> so, so that's who we're supposed to aspire to now. I'm pretty sure so, it was it was not him doing the fighting; it was her. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> oh god. Sorry. Sorry, lads. Sorry, lads. Can't can't, can't storm this beach. Looks a bit virusy. That's for the Telly Savalas thing. It's like I've searched the entire internet. And the only picture of an American GI in World War II <laughs> yeah, exactly. is a still from the Dirty Dozen, <laughs> or, or the or the first one that arrives. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, even if it was from um, Kelly's Heroes, he was still robbing a bank. That's, that, that's akin. That's akin with well-known Twitter journalists retweeting a picture of a beach that was a hoax yeah. and saying, "Look at the state of these fucking morons." Before realizing that they've actually been pranked and the beach was you know, last year, yeah. or it was it was D Day. Look at all these pricks on the beach. <laughs> they've even got guns. <laughs> I bet they weren't socially distancing. Right, Douglas. Any other business? I'm not really sure how I follow that. To be fair, with your with your with your any other business traditionally. <laughs> <laughs> All right, yeah. Um, well, that may have, Ben, that may have been the greatest uh, any other business I've ever heard. So, well done on that. Um, Thanks, man. Um, yeah, there was just a BBC story on the website the other day about how someone was scared of being buried as the wrong gender. Uh, <laughs> sorry, say that again. The headline on the BBC website was coronavirus colon. I'm scared of being buried as the wrong gender. If you've got coronavirus in your colon, that's not good for a start. No. <laughs> but, I mean... Uh, do, you get buried, do you get buried differently depending on what gender you are? Do, I, do women not... go deeper? <laughs> <laughs> that was one of those things where you should really he's, think about it before talking. He's back he to being housewife's favourite, isn't he? <laughs> Um, just, I, there, there just is. There's, there's nothing left to write about, is there? Everyone's stuck in their houses. No one's robbing anything anymore. No one's, you know, kids ain't out like stabbing each other at the moment. So, what do you write about? I don't know. I don't want to be buried as a fella. 
What, what does that even mean? I'm dead. You don't. What does it matter? Here lies Jane. She wanted to be Steve. <laughs> Isn't everyone okay. generally buried in the same way as well? Underground. Yeah. yeah. I mean, to, from my personal point of view, once I'm dead, I mean, fire me out of a cannon into a giant tennis racket. I just don't care. I'm dead. Can, can we, I'm, please? I'm, I'm, <laughs> I hereby want it declared that that is how I want to go. It'd be, small, like, be, a, be a small cannon tennis. into a small tennis racket. <laughs> <laughs> a regular sized tennis racket. <laughs> um, Phil, your reaction to Doug's any other business, I think has put you in the final and you, you, wow. you were all set to miss out. Uh, we have got Russ on 91, Doug on 97, Ben and Phil, both on 104, tied for the lead. And... The final is going to be slightly different, and I'm, I'm not going to score points. I'm not going to time you, uh, but you're just going to get a, the same question that you haven't seen already. And it, you could call it the unseen question round. You can call it butter up the host if you like. <laughs> Jesus Christ. That's the whole difference. Quite, quite literally. Which way? I'm not, I'm uh, not, I might log off. <laughs> but I'm going to log off for butter up the host. That's what a Paul Hollywood. That's what a Paul Hollywood's favourite. Isn't it? <laughs> James Martin. Oh, James Martin loves a bit of butter. Uh, right, your but yeah, whoever answers the question best is going to win. And the question is, who is the greatest Essex sportsman or woman of all time? And just as a bit of a help. Any answer that isn't an Essex cricketer won't win, um, just so you know. Um, ben, you can go first, uh, entirely at random. So I'm, I'm almost certain that the correct answer is one of two here. <laughs> um, it might depend how you deliver them. You know. DD Masters. <clears throat> Roddy Irani. <laughs> <laughs> um, if only Chris Wokes was from Essex. Um, <laughs> I... I I'm going to go with um, Sir Alistair Cook. Yeah. And, nice. um, yeah, despite what I said last week about Kevin Peterson, I also <laughs> like Alistair Cook. I'm, I'm going to shock you. <laughs> um, yeah, Cook. Uh, you can't argue with his record. He's scored a lot of runs, hasn't he? And, and he's a genuinely nice man. I, I've spoken to him and he's nice. He is. He is. And he's got okay. a farm. So... You know, like, kid, like so kindred spirits, Ben. I've, exactly, seen you, yeah. I've seen you've seen you bat. You know, you're both both involved in farming um, loosely. Yeah, when when we play twenty over cricket, I do generally score at about the same run rate as Alistair Cook in tests. So, whoa, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Phil, greatest Essex cricketer. Well, it's clearly not Sir Alistair Cook um, for two reasons. The first reason is Graham Gooch. Um, I've given it too long to think here, haven't I? <laughs> yeah, the first reason being Graham Gooch. So uh, over 100 first-class centuries in his career, England captain, country's leading run scorer at the time, epic moustache. Incredible the off reason... the top of your head, mate. That. All right, exactly. all right. <laughs> exactly. And the second reason it's not Sir Alistair Cook is because Sir Alistair Cook is from Gloucestershire. Born in Gloucester, born in Gloucestershire, not from Essex. Particularly if you consider Russ's former answer that you should only be able to play for somewhere if you're born there. And I might take that born thing back Gloucester, about. Born in Gloucester, hmm? raised in Bedfordshire. 
Well, there I you might go. have to take that thing back about us in Gloucester not being posh. <laughs> oh, I mean, Gloucester, Bill, Gloucester's correct. not posh. Gloucestershire is posh. Gloucester's not. <laughs> you're correct in what you say, but you know you've you've had a pop at Alistair Cook, Sir Alistair no, Cook. So uh, I, no, I haven't. I've just said where he was born. I've yeah, had a yeah. Pop you've at... lost. You've lost, Ben. You're this week's winner. <laughs> <laughs> Congratulations. So. <laughs> you, need, you need to look at you need to look up what having a pop at someone is. Ben, that, Phil, let it go. <laughs> let it go, oh, man. It's gone. What, what, what on earth made you think that this was going to be decided by something anything other than tenuous? Come on. <laughs> or Alistair Cook. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was pretty much oh, whoever said Sir Alistair Cook. Yeah, once he said Alistair Cook, I was I was having to find a, a different alleyway to go down. <laughs> it was worth the I was, risk. But, I was trying know. to butter up the host with down a different alleyway. I thought it, I thought it would have, I thought it would have been Ravi Bopara or even Nasser Hussein. Well, it's, too, it's too soon for Ravi Bopara. Even captains from Essex, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Keith. Uh, oh, Keith. Keith. I was going to say Keith Fletcher. He, did he captain England? I've suddenly got doubts about that. Uh, Gooch, Hussein, Sir Alistair Cook. The list goes on. That might be the end of the list, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Well played, Ben. Um, bad luck, Phil. It was it was all a bit random at the end. Sorry about that. It's all right. I'm not that sorry. <laughs> I'm not sorry at all. expecting it. <laughs> there you go. That was punching chat. Thank you very much, Adam. Again, um, that was great fun. It felt. I tell you what. You know, we we tried something a little bit new with some with lesser questions. We're going to go for a something a little bit special. Hopefully, Doug can come up with and, and chuck it on the YouTube at, at some point. Um, but it felt a little bit less rushed. It felt a little bit nicer. A few less questions. A little bit more relaxed. I don't know what you guys thought, but uh, hopefully, it was prep. good bit less prep hopefully uh, you enjoyed listening to it and uh, you'll be back next week so uh, we probably will with more punch and chat and uh, yeah go well sports social podcast network Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.